Welcome to the CXR channel, our premier podcast for talent acquisition and talent management. Listen in as the CXR community discusses a wide range of topics focused on attracting, engaging, and retaining the best talent. We're glad you're here. Hi, everybody. I'm Chris White, president of Career Crossroads. You have joined us for our first expertise episode of 2021. So this is our weekly quick hit conversation. Uh, with industry leaders and practitioners who are sharing a life or career lesson, uh, sort of a hands-on how-to, if you will, uh, with us in just about 10 to 15 minutes. These are pretty fast. So the topics uh, that were actually decided on in advance by hundreds of TA leaders from around the world cover a range of subjects such as diversity, equity and inclusion, leadership, uh, employee wellness, and just about anything else you can imagine that our people in the industry are dealing with or working on. Now, as you may already know, we have a new survey open uh, to anybody where we're asking what's on your mind for 2021. And you can find that, uh, that survey titled 2021 priorities in the research and reports section of www.cxr.works. Now, if you're here live, which is also open to anyone, you can participate via the live chat on the screen. So feel free to ask a question or two. And if we've got time, uh, we'll try to get them answered here in the broadcast. Uh, if we run out of time, we'll address them online in our free and open exchange at cxr.works slash talent talks. Now, today I am joined by Adam Gordon. He is the CEO of an innovative little company you've probably heard of, Candidate ID, uh, where they're really focused on pipeline automation and lead generation. Adam, welcome. Thank you very much. Uh, I'm really privileged to be here and uh, nice to see so many faces turning up to talk about talent pipeline automation and uh, uh, in-demand talent. Yeah, so now you know I've been a fan of your work. Uh, and what Candidate ID is doing for years. And I think you'll have to correct me. I think we first met in Amsterdam. You were in front of thousands competing among some other impressive vendors on stage. Yes, did I get it right? Oh, you're muted. <laughs> I thought I got it wrong. So here's what happens when you, when you, when you mute yourself to cough, you can't unmute yourself, just so everybody. <laughs> You know, uh, yeah, that's right. We did. We met in Amsterdam at uh, Un Unleash. I think, I think you were a. I think you might have been a. You were. You were a judge in the. I think it was the startup competition or something like that. Uh, yeah. And we were participating in that. That's right. That was a lot of fun. Yeah, it was. Uh, there was a big. Well, we won't waste the ten minutes we've got on that. But it was really fun to see you go from like the the smaller rooms all the way to the big main stage. It was a lot of fun. So, so Adam, we, we all know that hiring top talent, uh, in-demand top talent is important. And some would probably swear that as recruiters, that's, that's likely all we do. So in your experience, given the clients that you work with and your time in the space, what's one thing you'd like people to know or consider about hiring in-demand talent? What would you share with anybody listening that they could or should consider around that topic? Well, the first thing is, so you asked me, what have I learned in the last year from like running the business that, that we're in? The last year has been a cra crazy year, of course, uh, one that none of us will have ever experienced anything like in our careers. And um, the, the organizations that kept working with us and that came to work with us in the last year, given we're in the area of talent pipelining and talent pipeline automation, they were all in, and it was only in December that we realized it. They were all in an area that I describe as in-demand talent. 
So a lot of them were in technology, in engineering, in healthcare. And for those that are in things like retail and hospitality and areas like that, they were working with us for their tech teams in demand talent. And it became very, very clear that so many organizations um, are treating the hiring of in-demand talent in the same way that they're treating the hiring of everybody else. They've got a way that they go about recruiting and they are not really varying the tactics according to the market dynamics. So in-demand talent to me, that means that there's um, a supply and demand imbalance. There, are more, there is more demand than there is available supply. And so for this is for uh, most STEM type jobs like engineers, software developers, nurses and physicians, but it extends into other kind of right brain type of activities like enterprise sales, for example. So if there are more people trying to hire those individuals than there are people available and with those skills, then you've got an in-demand talent scenario and you need to take different tactics. So, uh, so, so what you're saying, sorry, I just want to make sure we're on the same page. So what you're saying is if my organization of recruiters is, God forbid, is a post and pray type of recruiting process, and suddenly we've got a brand new um, uh, level of tech that we've got to hire, the company's expanding on, my recruiters are going to do the same thing they're doing for all the other jobs. That's what you're seeing, that they'll recruit very much the same, if not super close to the way they're doing everything else for those. I mean, if, if, you, if you don't believe people are doing that, go on to Indeed and take a look at the amount of adverts for data scientists that are out there. These people are not on Indeed. They're not even on LinkedIn. They're certainly not, you know, pandemic or not, they're not walking around London and New York and San Francisco wearing a sandwich board saying, I'm available, come and hire me. I'm really desperate for a job. You know, they don't care. They don't care about your job descriptions. They don't care about your employer branding. They don't care about your organization, probably. So what have we got to do to get their attention? This is where we start thinking about um, inbound marketing and we start thinking about thought leadership and we start thinking about nurturing people. What is it they actually care about? Because it's not your company or your, the jobs that you're hiring for yet, yet. We've got to think about generating their attention in different ways. And this is when we need to start thinking about what are those different ways that we can capture their attention? And I can tell you what they are because I've got data that shows it. It's okay. helping them with their career, helping them with skills they need to develop, helping them with insights that will help them do their jobs better. It's about subliminally doing employer, putting employer branding into this, but not by talking about your EVP, by putting your hiring managers into the middle of all this useful and relevant program of content that is going to generate goodwill from that audience. So it's about taking the hiring manager when you're taking the job brief and saying, I'm also going to ask you three questions that are nothing to do with this job or about, about you and working in your team and about what it's like to work here. Those questions are, how did you succeed in your career to become a manager in this organization? What are the skills people need to progress their careers as a business analyst? And what are the mistakes you've made along the way, which you, know, you want people to learn from? That doesn't take long to get somebody on Zoom and ask them those three questions 
And then that's real content that people are going to find valuable, useful, relevant. The employer brand is so subliminal, separate it from the job description and all that kind of thing, but make use of that. It's quite easy to create this kind of content, but we're not thinking like this. The way that well, we where, then where, where, I love that, but then where does it go, Adam? Where, like we've done a Zoom video with the, the manager over the department. Uh, she's got a wonderful success story of uh, overcoming uh, adversity to get into this leadership role. Where, where do we put that? Well, uh, lots of places we put it, um, but this depends on your organization's maturity when it comes to the concept of talent pipelines, talent communities, nurture marketing, all that kind of thing. So you've really got to think about um, who's cold, warm, and higher ready. Almost none of these in-demand talent are what we call higher ready. They're not ready to come and you know, have an interview for a job. They might be warm, which is they're starting to become interested in your employer brand, but most of them are cold. They don't care about any of that just now. So how do we, how do we get to them? How we get to them is by running a program, a nurture program through email possibly by text message, possibly by social media. Email's the number one driver of, of uh, engagement. Uh, but so, social media and text message can also work for getting communications out to these people to nurture them, to turn their heads, and to get them clicking on to your content. Now, it's not just about that kind of outbound sort of stuff, let's share with them the video. It's also about community. So when we think about talent communities, a lot of the time I'm hearing the term talent community being used to describe an email list or just a list. That's not a talent community. A talent community exists when you can talk to each other, when Do members it. can all talk to each other. And all you're really doing is hosting. You're hosting. You might be giving useful you know, communication, which is uh, leading with value, but you're not selling anything. You're just providing the platform in the way that we are here. And this, so this kind of thing could be a very, very useful um, type of channel for generating goodwill from those people. You get them on Zoom, you get them on Zoom with the hiring manager, or if you're in a bank, you get them on Teams or something else, and you um, uh, just get them in a round table, half a dozen people, let's talk about the latest trends in this profession or this industry or this type of skill. And let's not sell anything. Let's just generate some relationships and generate goodwill. That's a talent community. So the community aspect of it is really important. Yeah, I think a lot, you know, a lot of us, yourself included, have been saying that a distribution list, a mailing list, uh, or job alerts uh, list is not a talent community. So who, who, in your opinion, Adam, is doing this well? Like who, who's holding like these professor hours with a hiring manager, right? You can just drop in and sort of get to know the company or, or some aspect of that. I can, I can give a couple of quite good examples and then I'm gonna give one that's just a knocked, knocked out the park example. So um, Lockheed Martin have done a lot of um, talent nurture and they've done it really well. And their talent nurture is not about like, here's a job, here's a job, here's a job. It's about, let's bring people together and talk about elements of engineering and technology in the kind of defense world, which we need to know more about in the security world. So they've done it really well. Another one that's done it really well is Intel. And Intel have done, uh, they've got networks for people with specific and proper networks, not an email list, an actual network where they bring people together for events offline and offline for people with specific skill sets. 
SAP have done a wonderful job of this as well. And they've got a real red carpet program for diversity. So, you know, if they need more females in a particular country or they need uh, more people of a particular, you know, different um, mix of ethnicities or that sort of thing, then they do, they do like Cirque du Soleil events and they do sports events and they bring people together for like really magical experiences. And that's brilliant. But the best example is from a company that's not in the USA, but they, they're in a lot of other countries in the world called Specsavers. And mm. Specsavers is um, Europe's number one employer of optometrists. And uh, that's absolute in-demand talent. According to Indeed, uh, optometry is the hardest to hire skill set in the UK. And it's top three in every other country in Western Europe. So they're also in Australia and New Zealand, but they've got a, a talent community called Spectrum. Spectrum is an online website with um, events uh, which you can you can connect to, and they're on Zoom and, and they're on Facebook Live and things like that. And you can connect to them through the website. It's got learning and development uh, area where you can go in and find content which is relevant to your you know your profession as an optometrist. There's lots of continuous professional development. And then there is news, news about what's going on in optometry. It's a login site. It doesn't mention Specsavers anywhere. There's an offline like roadshow when, when you can go and travel and meet people and be in events and things like that, which attracts about two, 300 people in the different locations. Specsavers are nowhere to be seen. It's run by their talent team. It's learning and development at the front. Recruiters are all in the back, but the recruiters are pulling the strings on all of it. I love it. I love it. I knew about Specsavers. I had not heard of Spectrum. I'd not heard of the community they built. So I'm anxious to check that out. So Adam, what is, what's one thing you'd leave us when parting words of infinite wisdom uh, on hiring the in-demand talent, like, like really nurturing that pipeline? What would you tell everybody? I think, it, I think it, it's really important to cons just consider this term, um, which is leading with value, being useful and relevant, don't not asking for things, not asking them to fill in a form in order to access something, um, giving them things that you can get your company's teeming with useful, relevant things that the people, the in-demand talent you want to hire are going to find use are going to find, you know, compelling. And they're going to want to click on that. You want them clicking on that um, in advance of getting to your job descriptions and like the call to action being come and work for us. Because if they're not clicking on that, then you're starting the relationship from absolutely cold at the point that they do get to that, that point where they're ready for a job. So you've got to nurture them way before they're ready, they're ready for a job move because they may never be ready for a job move. So you've got to turn their heads in a different way. I love it. I am going to steal the phrase uh, leading with value shamelessly probably for the next month. I think I can get some miles out of that. Adam, as always, love catching up with you. Really appreciate you giving listeners and viewers your time today. Thanks. It's been a real privilege. Thanks so much for having me. You bet. To those uh, that are still on the line, thanks for hanging with us for this episode. Be sure to join us next week. We're going to have Jim D'Amico, who is the global talent leader at Selenese. Fantastic guy. He's also the board president of ATAP. That's the Association for Talent Acquisition Profession, uh, Professionals, where he's going to share why and how we should be celebrating how we all just fell into talent acquisition. Uh, which is pr probably surprisingly true for all of us. Uh, it should be a fun one. So if you haven't already, be sure you subscribe to the show just about anywhere you listen to your own podcast. And until then, we'll see everybody online at cxr.work slash talent talks.
Thanks for listening to the CXR channel. Please subscribe to CXR on your favorite podcast resource and leave us a review while you're at it. Learn more about CXR at our website, cxr.works, facebook.com and twitter.com slash career crossroads and on Instagram at career X roads. We'll catch you next time.